I want to invite our children at this time who would like to go out to children's ministry to do so. Isn't it pretty cool to think, you know, God's high tech. He does email and he actually has pretty good handwriting and all that kind of good stuff. Just filling in a couple minutes while the kids get out of here. Here we go. How many of you remember the show Family Feud? Remember that? It used to pit one clan against another, you know, and, and uh, they'd have somebody come up to the front of the table and you'd kind of stand there and they'd ask you a question and say, in response to this question, the survey said, you know, and you'd have to be ready to hit the button. Well, I, I want to start with a survey question today. So the first one who gets their hands up and gets the right answer gets one month of no tithing. No, I'm only kidding. All right. So how do we hear from God? How do we hear from God? Yes, Christine. Okay, God speaks right into our minds at times, through our conscience. Absolutely. Somebody else back here? Yeah. Lisa? God speaks to us through his word. Okay. Through another believer. God uses somebody else. Dominic? Through prayer? Absolutely. As we talk to God. Leo? Okay. Uh, Joan? God speaks to us from creation. Talks about that in Romans 1. Absolutely. How do we hear from God? Any other answers? Yes, Claire. Yeah, God. Through the Holy Spirit. I think that's a lot of the ways he communicates with our minds, with our, our conscience. Well, let's see what the survey says, all right? And see if you guys were right or not. This was taken by the Gallup, uh, by the Barna Group, just earlier this year in April. And it's quoted in the On Mission magazine, which is a publication of our national mission board, one of our national mission boards. 52% of believers said that they hear from God as he influences or connects directly with their mind or emotions or feelings. That kind of Holy Spirit kind of work, if you will. 41% say that they hear from God through the content of a Bible passage that they read or or that was read to them. 36% say they hear from God by a sign. 34% through a sermon or teaching content. It's not very good, is it? 33%. Which 33% of you are going to hear from God today from my sermon? The rest of you can just go home right now, all right? 34% through a sermon or teaching content concerning their immediate situation or need. 31% says through miraculous or inexplicable circumstances or outcomes. Kind of that, that was a God thing. You know, you you had those kinds of impressions? That was a God thing. 31% through words spoken to them by someone else who was speaking for God. We had that referred to before. 18% say through a passage they read in a book, probably a Christian book, other than the Bible. And 16% said through an audible voice or whisper that they could actually hear. Interesting. I got a question for you, though. Why is that number only 41%? I mean, if the Bible's the Word of God, if it's the most thorough, accurate, comprehensive, clear, objective presentation of who God is and how He's worked to bring us into relationship with Him and what it means to live in relationship with Him, it's a place where we hear about His mercy, about His forgiveness, about judgment, about eternity, about all those things... How is it that only 41% of us hear from God through the Word? I mean, there's a lot of wonderfully encouraging things out of this survey, but that's kind of discouraging, isn't it? 59% of you, quote-unquote, never hear from God as a result of reading the Bible. That's pretty alarming, isn't it? I mean, we've been talking about entering, kind of entering into this series entitled Look or Listen, where we've acknowledged that if we're going to experience personally and corporately any of what God wants for us to experience as His people. How how to be His child, how to live in relationship with Him, how to live in His grace, how to be His instrument of grace in the lives of others. We have to recognize and understand that God's always at work, God's always speaking, and we have to learn how to look and to listen. And if we cannot hear from God, from His Word, we've almost failed before we started. 
Now, that may be an awful strong statement, but I, I think it's a pretty accurate one. Now, there, I, my understanding of that survey was it wasn't of just people in general. It was of church-going types. I mean, I could understand if you're just doing it on the street, and so, a lot of people would say, well, I'd never hear from God. Because, the, as we read last week, you know, if you're not one of Jesus' sheep, if, if you're a natural man, I mean, you're not a, you haven't been born again, you know, the, the, you just can't receive spiritual things. The word of the cross is foolishness to you. But if we're a child of God, and God never speaks to us from His Word, wow. And I want to deal with that question today, of how do we hear from this living Word of God? And, and what I want to do is, is lay a foundation, a biblical foundation, because, again, the, the power is, a, is understanding how God has spoken to us and what He has taught us, and then from that, trying to make some applications, some ways for us to understand it in our current moment. So what I'd like you to do, Let's turn in your Bibles with me to 2 Timothy chapter 3. I'm going to go to the, the usual Bible culprit kind of passages this morning. 2 Timothy 3 and Hebrews chapter 4. If you're using one of our pew Bibles, you're going to find our text today on page 1012. That's the 2 Timothy passage. I think it's, it's very important to understand the context in which is verses 16 and 17 are given to us by God. Paul under God's guidance, is writing to Timothy. And he's leaving to us a, an eternal word of God. But he's writing to Timothy specifically because Paul knows that his chances to provide advice, counsel, <clears throat> to be a mentor to Timothy is coming to an end. His days are numbered. He's about ready to go on and to, to be present with the Lord and to be absent from the body. And he wants to pass the word on to Timothy of encouragement. Timothy's job isn't easy. The, the early church is under attack especially the church in the Gentile world. Not just from outside forces that are seeking to crush it, but people who are coming in and, and literally through their teaching are raping the church. You know, they're, they're, they're bold and they're persuasive and they're charismatic and they're arrogant and they're, and they're just leading the church off in a direction that's suiting to them. It's, it's, you know, it meets their selfish ambition. And here's Timothy trying to stand against the tide when everything is against them. And Paul says, listen, I want you to be absolutely confident that you're standing in the right place, that this is the hill to die on. And that's the truth of the Word. He says, you can believe in the Word for several different reasons. First of all, think about who you learned it from. You learned it from your grandmother, from your mother, and from me. And if you look at our lives, our lives back up everything that's written in the Scriptures. And so you can trust in them because you know you can trust us. Secondly, he says, think about your own experience with the Word. You've been instructed in this stuff since you were a little kid. And you know that they, these Scriptures have made you wise to the point of leading you to salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. You know their values. You've seen them at work. Then lastly, he talks about the nature of God's Word, of the Scriptures. And that's where we pick up in verse 16. Paul said, all Scripture is inspired by God. I actually like the NIV translation better. All Scripture is god breathe. It's profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness. So the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. It's interesting that we have this idea of the scripture being God breathed or inspired. And, you know, the, the church has developed several different understandings of what that inspiration looked like from the dictation theory to the 
idea that God kind of came in and kind of took over the personality or whether God worked through the personality of the, of the writer. But in all of those, they arrive at the same place that what's on our page that we hold up as the Word of God is literally the same as though it was spoken from the lips of God. It's God breathed. It's interesting, the same kind of imagery is used in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, you know, where, where it says that God had taken the dust of the earth and He had formed up a man, He had formed up a woman, and He says, and he, and he breathed the breath of life into their nostrils, and they became living beings. The fact that the Word of God is God breathed, as though God breathed into the nostrils of the Scripture, and He gave it life. This is not a book. Where you and I are going to and you say, well, I hope I can figure it out so it can come to life. This is a book that's alive. So you're saying to it, I, I, I'm hoping I can figure it out so we can give life to me. You know, that's, there's a big difference. This is a living where God has breathed his life into it. And it's a living being. That's why it's profitable. And we could go into a lot of detail here about the teaching and rebuke and correcting and training and righteousness. I think a, a, a lot of this is the idea that the scripture can tell us what's correct and incorrect, theologically, intellectually, spiritually. It can also tell us what's right and what's wrong, morally, ethically, relationally. It it has all that we need. In fact, he says that you can be equipped for every good work. There isn't anything that God has scripted into your spiritual DNA as a result of you being born again as a child of God that you can't live out in your life as a result of living by the Word of God. You know, you go buy a car and it's supposed to get 30 miles a gallon on the highway and 21 around town. And if your teenagers are driving it, 18 around town or 17 or 16 or whatever, you know, and your tires are supposed to get 50,000 miles out of them. And then, you know, they, they, they give you specs on how they're supposed to perform. When God, when God rebuilt us, remade us in the image of Christ, he opened up a world of eternal possibilities. The word of God equips us to meet all the specifications, to live out all that experience as we go forward. It, it's incredible. You know, let's come back to this idea of living and turn over to Hebrews chapter 4. Just a few pages over in your Bibles. If you're using our pew Bible, you're going to find our text on page 1017. Again, the context is, is critically important. The author of Hebrews, and we don't know who that was. Some people think it was Paul. Some think it was Luke. Some think it was, you know, it was another writer. We, we don't really know. We know that it was God's word to us. He's, he is... So concerned at this point in his book that not a single member of the New Testament body of Christ would be like the Old Testament people of God who even though they left Egypt with God, they never arrived in the promised land. They never entered into the Sabbath rest, the place of living in the promise of God. He said, and so he's concerned that any Christian, any follower of Christ would come up short of living with the promises of God in their lives, living in accord with those. And he doesn't want anybody to come up short of that. So in that passion, he brings up the nature of the Word of God. Verse 12, for the Word of God is living and effective. I I like the word active as well. The living Word of God is living and actively effective and sharper than any two-edged sword, penetrating as as to divide soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It is a judge of the ideas and of the thoughts of the heart. No creature is hidden from him, but all things are laid naked. This word here for living, first and foremost, I think we need to understand it is the fact that it's a, it, it represents the fact that the Word of God 
shares the exact same character as God. God's alive. He's always been alive. He's alive. He'll always be alive. God's eternal. He, he was, He is, and He will be. He's alive. He just is. When the Scripture says that the Word of God is alive, it, 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 it shares the same character of God. It has a, a life unto itself. It has a power and energy to fulfill its purpose. You know, sometimes, you know, I just thought, well, how, how do you describe the, the Word of God as actually kind of like representing the character of God, or literally of representing God? I mean, and, and, and this may be a little frivolous, but if, if you're a parent, and you maybe got, a, you know, a, a sophomore or a junior in high school, and, and you're not going to be home when they get home off the bus, but you've got some chores for them to do. I want you to cut the grass, and I want you to take out the trash, you know, kind of thing. So you write out on a big note, and you hang it on the refrigerator door, because you know they won't miss it, you know? And so they get home... And they go to the refrigerator door, they see the note, and they open it, and they get in some milk out and a pile of cookies and everything else. And, you know, and then they don't do what you left in the note. And you get home and you say to them, well, how come you didn't do all the chores I told you to do? Well, you didn't tell me to do them. There was just some note stuck on the door, on the refrigerator. You know, you didn't tell me to do them. It's just some note. You would think, I wrote that note. That's my voice. Do that stuff. Wouldn't you? I mean, that's my reaction, you know, besides blowing my steam. I can be a volcano at times, you know. And it... it just say, God has put himself into his word. It's like he's posted this note on the refrigerator door of our lives. And, and it's, it's his word speaking to us. That's why it's active. I love the way Donald Guthrie put it in his commentary on Hebrews. It's, a, it's like the word of God pursues men, pursues people. And it, and, it, and it cries out for them to make a personal decision. This word here, sword, is probably better scalpel. It has this ability to kind of pierce in and cut away and show the parts that keep us from experiencing that Sabbath rest in our lives. It thoroughly penetrates into us. So we have this understanding from the Scriptures that the Scripture is some ways like God Himself. It's got His character. It's alive. It represents Him. It can fulfill its purpose and bring a harvest. It can do all those things. So how is it that you and I need to change our understanding, our approach, our our relationship to the Word of God, so that 100% of us hear from God from a Bible passage or from Scripture that we read. I'm not sure I have overly technical solutions for you today, but these are ones that powerfully speak to me, and I hope will speak to you as well. Because God's Word is alive, and it's God speaking to us, you and I need to approach God's Word with the understanding that it's not just what somebody said to what God said to somebody long ago. It's what God is saying to you and I right now. When you pick up the Scripture, it's literally like you're, you know, you're sitting at your kitchen table doing your devotions and, and God writes a note and just slides it across the table to you. It's God speaking to you. Certainly He spoke to those long ago, all the way back in, you know, in the Garden of Eden, all the way forward. But it is also God speaking to you and to, uh, and to me. It is now, God is the eternal now, so His voice, even though He spoke it years ago, centuries ago, His same voice is speaking today, and He'll be speaking a hundred years from now, in a thousand years from now. God speaks, and God speaks to us from His Word. I want to read a quote for you from a book by A.W. Tozer. It's a little book called The Pursuit of God. Some of you are familiar with it. If you don't have it, you can get it. It's, it's cheap, 
cheap little book. I actually have it downloaded here onto my Kindle. And I, I want to read just a couple of paragraphs for you. And I don't usually do this, but, but he puts it so succinctly when we think about how God speaks to us from his word. It's in his chapter on the speaking voice of God. It says, I believe that much of our religious unbelief is due to a wrong conception of and a wrong feeling for the scriptures of truth. A silent God suddenly began to speak in a book and when the book was finished, lapsed back into silence again forever. Now we read the book as a, as a record of what he said when he was for a brief time in a speaking mood. With, motions like, with notions like that in our heads, how can we believe? The facts are that God is not silent. He's never been silent. It is the nature of God to speak. The second person of the Holy Trinity is called the Word. The Bible is the inevitable outcome of God's continuous speech. It is the infallible declaration of His mind for us, put into our familiar human words. I think a new world will arise out of the religious myths when we approach our Bible with the idea that it is not only a book which was once spoken, but a book which is now speaking. The prophets habitually said, Thus saith the Lord. They meant their hearers to understand that God's speaking is in the continuous present. We may use the past tense properly to indicate that a certain time, that at a certain time, a certain word of God was spoken, but a word of God once spoken continues to be spoken as a child once born continues to live, and as a world once created continues to exist. And those are but imperfect illustrations, he says, for children die and worlds burn out, but the word of God endureth forever. What a wonderful, diff- what an ma- incredible difference it is. To understand that it's not that it's what God said, it's what God's saying to you. Just try to tickle that out a little bit in practical levels. You can have an attitude where it says, well, I read today. Or you can have an attitude that says, I heard God say to me today. God said to me today. Just think about these differences. I read that the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ and the Lord. Eh, it's an interesting thought. Or I heard God Say to me, you're a sinner, and the wages of sin is death, but I've given you a free gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. We can read, well, you know, while we were still the enemies, Christ died for us. Or we can hear God say to us, even when you were rejecting me, you couldn't care less about me, when you were actually rebelling against me, I still died for you. We can read people asking the question, what must I be do to be saved and, and to hear, well, repent and for the forgiveness of sins and to be baptized. Or we can hear God answer our question, our plea. God, what must I do to be saved? And hear God say, you know, repent and I'll forgive you of your sins and be baptized as an identification with me. We can hear God say, we can read, though, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Or we can hear God say to us, I'm with you. You don't need to be afraid of anything because my strength and my power and my guidance is with you always. You see the difference? It may just be kind of subtle, but it's profound. What what a difference it is to, to read him say, well, neither do I condemn you. Just go and sin no more. Or to hear God say directly into your ears, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. We we gotta we gotta just get rid of this understanding that the, the Bible is something that God said. We have to understand that it's got something that God's screaming to you and I today. So my second kind of word of counsel or insight today is this: you know, stop reading the Bible. Start listening to it. 
Stop reading it. I don't mean, you know, just to take your papal Bible and kind of throw it out the window and just go get the latest MPV3 version off the internet and start listening through your car radio. That's not what I'm talking about. But there is a difference between reading the Word of God and listening to it. You and I need to stop reading it. And we need to start listening to it. It is literally like Doug in our character, God speaking to us. And we need to start listening to it. Not just reading it on a paper and slide it aside. You know, one of my nephews is, is just wrapping up boot camp. Third one to go through it, and he's going to wrap up next week and graduate. And, but halfway through, he wrote, a, he wrote a letter to my grandfather, my father, his grandfather. I don't think my nephew had ever written a letter in his entire life. They just text everything, you know. I mean, they don't write letters. But he, 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 when you're in boot camp, there's no cell phones. You don't get the phone. You don't get anything. So if you don't, if you don't write a letter, you don't get anything. So he, my father had written him a letter. I'm not sure my nephew could read it because my father's handwriting is, is, is pretty bad. But he wrote back this letter to him. And we got there just a few hours after they had gotten it in the mail. And my, you know, my father said, oh, read the letter. I think he'd already read it two or three times, you know, just read my nephew saying, well, you know, he, he, you know, I got my marksman's qualification after only like five shots, but I was kind of ticked because I wanted to shoot the gun longer and all this other kind of stuff. You know, and it, and it was literally just like my nephew was sitting in the room telling the story. That's not just a letter you read. You're listening to it. You, you could hear the voice of my nephew speaking. Eh, you know, that's just a, a minor thing, but that's the whole thing. You know, we believe that God is with us, right? He's the Emmanuel. He's right with us. So when we're sitting on our couch reading the scriptures, it's not just like we're reading the newspaper, but it's as though God's sitting right next to us and saying, I got something to say to you. And think of the difference. You know, I try to think about this, uh, you know, just the, the impact. I mean, some of us have gone through tremendous crises and moments of grief in our lives. We've lost loved ones that were precious to us, a parent, a spouse, a child, a close friend. You know, and, and it's one thing for us to open up the Word. And we just kind of read and it says, you know, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. My Father's house, there, there are many rooms, and I go to prepare a place for you so that where I am, you can be with me. We can read that, and, and it brings some comfort. But if Jesus really showed up in our moments of grief and sat down us next to the couch and grabbed our hands and said, you know what? Just listen to me. Don't let your heart be troubled. You believe in God. You can believe also in me. I'm telling you the truth. In my Father's house, there are many rooms. I've been there. I got them all ready. The mints on the pillow, the covers are turned down so that where I am, they can be with me and you will be with me. What a difference. But that's what the Word of God is. God stepping into our world, sitting down next to us and speaking His voice. Stop reading it. Listen to it. Those who are unemployed, Rob Kilgus was in our first service. And I said to Rob, you know, just imagine you can, you can pull out the word, you know, word you've been unemployed for, for months and you can just read, you know, Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Or you can have God sit down in the chair next to you, say, I'll have a, my coffee black. And say, you know what, I'm your shepherd. And you're going to have absolutely everything that you need. Stop reading it. Start listening to God speak to you from it. It's a huge difference. I mean, I... When you think about life purpose, what am I going to do with my life? You know, we can, we will go therefore and make disciples of all nations, or we can hear God say, join me, changing the world by leading everybody to become a follower of Christ like you are. thought about the power would be, you know, sometimes we battle with our, with our teens about what they're going to wear and, you know, is it modest enough or is it too kind of evil looking or whatever, you know, and, and, you know, just, just, uh, you know, they can read, you know, that, hey, I'm, you know, you're an ambassador for Christ. But just imagine if it was Jesus who showed up in their room and as they're digging around the floor to find out what they're going to wear that day, you know, he could say, you know what? How you look is how I'm going to look. Do you really want to wear that? Stop reading it. Listen to it. 
when you're at work and people have ticked you off and you are angry, you can hear, you can say, well, I read somewhere, it says, well, let, let no unwholesome thing come out of your mouth. Or you can hear Jesus say into your ear, you know, you really need to swear like that. Is that a good reflection on you and on me? How can you talk about me and then talk like that? Stop reading it. Start listening to it. Because Jesus is with you. God offers us. God is offering to us. God will always offer to us this wonderful eternal invitation. He says, the words I have spoken to you are spirit and life. So today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts.